church musician living in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm Crawford Wiley, an organist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Today we're recording together in Cincinnati. Happy New Year, Crawford. Happy New Year to you. It's cold. Uh, today we're talking about social media with David Sinden, the organist and director of music at St. Peter's Episcopal Church in St. Louis, Missouri. But first, we have a couple of New Year's updates and this week's Try This at Church tip. So first of all, I did a bunch of changes to our podcast website, musicinthechurch.com. So now it redirects to my professional site, sarah-bariza.com. Basically what it means is that I have less work to do since I am not particularly a website managing proficient person. But for you, the listener, what it means is that the site redirects to my other site and you have a slight cosmetic change that's now in lovely teals and blues instead of reds and blacks. The other new thing is that I have a new job. I've been working as the organist at a Presbyterian church here in Cincinnati, as well as the organist and cantor at a Catholic church, a very small rural parish where I work on Saturday evenings. In December, I began working as the interim organist at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer here in Cincinnati, which works out very well for me personally and professionally because I'm probably moving from Cincinnati in the summer. My husband is in medical school and will begin his medical residency in the summer, so I have a somewhat tricky timing of my life and that I will likely move in six months. So it works out well for them, works out really well for me. So next up, we have our Try This at Church tip, which Crawford has this week. If you work as a church organist or pianist, I suppose, one of the most awkward bits of the job is juggling around the back-breaking accompaniment volumes of whatever your denominational hymnal is. Usually they come in one or two 18-pound volumes. They're not really 18 pounds, but they're they're big. And if you're juggling those and a set of mass parts and other music. Your prelude music, your postlude music, your, your choral anthem. Music. Yeah, the psalm, whatever. You're juggling a lot of different materials. And particularly for larger liturgies, such as a Christmas or during the Triduum, you have the distinct possibility that you will mess up what book you've grabbed. So, a really quick suggestion which makes a lot of difference in the heat of the moment, is to make photocopies of every last bit of music that you will be playing and put it in a binder. And that means even making duplicates. Like if you're using the same mass parts for various masses within the course of a week, go ahead and make duplicates of them so that all you have to do is flip through, just flip front to back through a binder. Uh, it's less work on your back, and it's also less work on you figuring out what page you're looking at, and you don't have to worry about your paper clips falling off and falling into the pedal board, which is where they always go. I feel like this is really useful for you, given that you play multiple very similar but not quite the same services over the course of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It keeps you from that last bit of mental work. You're so consumed mentally playing a service, you have to pay attention the whole time. Except the sermon, don't tell anyone. I listen to the sermons. Yes, yes. Crawford is a good person over here. I, I mostly listen to the sermons. Um, but but if you're listening to a sermon five times, maybe you're not listening to the sermon. Anyway. <laughs> Always possible. But yeah, so like you're paying such close attention, it's one less thing that you have to worry about. Yeah. So, so for example, over the Christmas weekend, December 23, 24, 25, I played for five different services at four different churches. And there was definitely a lot of overlap between those services in that I played the same postlet at most of those services. I did a lot of joy to the world and those kinds of hymns. But at one church, it was three stanzas of whatever hymn. And another stanza was, well, only we're only going to do one stanza of this piece. And 
sure, you can pay attention to the bulletin, but when you're doing that many services on that many organs, it's just a lot to yeah, keep track of. and especially when you get stressed out over the big liturgies, it's so easy for things to slip your mind. I think when I should have done this, for instance, last uh, week was the Feast of the Holy Family, and we were going to sing an anthem with the choir, and in the heat of the moment, I left my copy of the anthem downstairs on the piano in the rehearsal room. And so came time for the anthem, and I realized I didn't have my own copy. So I had to borrow a copy from one of the sopranos. Um, Thank you, so, sopranos. Yes. But if you put all of your music in your binder, as I've just suggested, it saves that possibility. Mm -hmm. it, gives your, it gives your downtime brain time to think about it. Yes. So get you a binder if you're doing something tricky, complicated, or just even slightly out of the ordinary. So do you have a Try This at Church tip? Share it with other listeners by emailing us at musicinthechurch at gmail.com or leaving us a voicemail at 513-580-4282. December at the beginning of Advent, I was in St. Louis and I got together with another church musician and podcaster, David Senden, to record episodes for both of our podcasts. David is the organist and director of music at St. Peter's Episcopal Church in St. Louis, and he co-hosts the podcast All Things Right and Musical, which is about liturgy and music from an Episcopal Anglican perspective. In our conversation, we discuss why social media can be useful for church musicians, what platforms to consider using, and what kinds of things to post. And I, one thing I love about social media is that it means like someone like David and I would actually meet each other because we met for the first time when I was already in St. Louis, but we've had mutual friends and we've been Facebook friends for quite a while. So it was a nice way for us to become connected professionally in a way that we wouldn't normally. Like outside, like 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been connected it's a very personally. meta illustration. I know, right? <laughs> the very fact that we're having these, this podcast interview. Courtesy <laughs> of our talk. Yes, exactly. So as you listen to this interview, you will hear that I was very, very sick. Um, I have a very uh, nice muffled voice for the show. Um, but here's, here's David talking about how social media can be a way of sharing your ministry as a church musician. Well, one of the people who really shaped my thinking on why social media should be used by people in the church and is not just a total waste of time is um, Jamie Coates. And Jamie uh, works at the Society of St. John the Evangelist in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he does all of the social media for the, for the society. He really talks about having this vision about um, an angel descending from heaven with a trumpet. And he said, blow into the trumpet. And he looked closer at this trumpet and it was actually a smartphone. Um, and so what, <laughs> what social media really is, if you think about it, is simply another tool to spread the gospel and the gospel in any form of, you know, what, what you're working on as a church musician. I think um, all of that has, has some interest to someone somewhere most of the time. That's kind of the guiding principle for me is the idea of sharing the good that we're doing. And that a lot of what we do is a secret. I mean, a lot of this stuff is mysterious, especially in this day mm -hmm. of age. All the behind the scenes. Exactly. The instrument, the organ is already pretty mysterious. Um, the whole world of choral music can be kind of arcane. All of this stuff has its own vocabulary. And I just think that the more that we can be um, talking about this and sharing this, the more that we make these things available, um, the more the chances are that people are going to engage with it and maybe have that much more of an appreciation about what we're doing, what they're hearing on on Sunday morning. This is making me think about networking as self-promotion versus networking as relationships. Mm -hmm. 
And if you think of social media as I'm just here promoting myself or in some versions of social media, I'm just here going to, you know, live journal my inner thoughts or whatever. That's very different from thinking of social media as a way to share with people with what you're doing and to build relationships with them. Like here we are in St. Louis. We've never met before what we met on. We met on Facebook via mutual friends of ours. How cool is that? Right. Like, like what, a, what a great thing. And this wouldn't have happened even a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like just a different medium for forming relationships. And as, as you're saying, like sharing the gospel, sharing the good work that you're doing. Right. And I think the, the one of the joys about social media is it's not one or the other. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you can you can present a lot of information, and then as long as you're monitoring kind of everything that you put out there, you see who's who's engaging with it, mm -hmm. who's responding to it, and conversations can develop naturally mm -hmm. that way, and you can form um, relationships and connections from from all of that. Yeah, and as a musician, it seems like the people that you're talking with are mostly other musicians or people who are interested in church music. And then if you're thinking about yourself as a musician who's leading a church music program, your audience or the people that you're talking with, you know, audience sounds kind of commercial. You're not really selling something, but you're you're sharing the good things that you're doing. And so you're speaking primarily to people in the congregation and to people who are just, as we said, adjacent to the congregation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know, this is maybe pretty self-serving, but I think one of the values of this whole social media thing is um, to answer uh, a question that a friend and I always have is, what do church musicians do all day? Yeah, I know, right? I think there's this... There's we a... just like drink tea and like <laughs> hang out, right? Well, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> but I think I think there is an impression that, uh, yeah, the, the musicians are kind of mysterious and they're probably lazy. Oh, yes, and probably lazy. Yeah, clearly. but but I, I had this um, flash of insight. My, my schedule kind of got shuttled to the end of the day a, a couple of weeks ago. And I ended up practicing really late at night. And so as the time came for me to wrap up my practicing um, at 11.30 p.m., I thought, you know, I, I don't do this very often, but I'm going to take a selfie of me here in the mm -hmm. darkened church and yep. just put it up yep. so that not only can my friends see that I'm having a good time practicing this piece of music, but parishioners might also know <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that I was here at the church pretty late the night before getting this stuff ready for the morning. Mm -hmm. So I just think yeah. that there, yeah. there, there's probably some value to it's that. It's kind of like an aspect of pastoral ministry where... There's your paper description. Oh yes, you need to play on Sunday mornings. But then there's a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of right. a lot of legwork that you have to do, a lot of project management and a lot of relational things. Where it's like, you know, I'm gonna minister to the people in the congregation where I am, and that means conversations and conversations take time and that's great. But that's that's part of the work that you do. Yeah. And I think both of those things feed each other. So th I think the whole idea of the the behind the scenes kind of insights into the the nature of, of the church can lead some into some interactions. I, I can think of at least one person that I think um, he would probably say that he was really led to visit and join a church due to our, our church music Twitter feed, which really? is kind of a, rem a remarkable thing. And if we can, if we can chalk that, you know, even, even count one person who has done that, um, to me, that's a pretty smashing success. This is interesting because like our, the next thing that we wanted to talk about was what kinds of social media, because there's like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, and diff different sites that you can be on. And I wouldn't have thought that Twitter would be the place. Well, I think Twitter has some value. I, I think first and foremost, you want to have a, a website, and and most churches do. I mean, we're mm -hmm. we're living in a. Mm -hmm. If your church doesn't, you've you've got a problem. Please yeah. please address that immediately. Yes. Yes. Um. But and please have your actual address, because I've tried to visit a church visit churches <laughs> before. I'm like I. Your address isn't on your site. That's a pet peeve of mine. If I'm visiting a church and I can't even tell what city or state they're in, yes. that kind of drives me nuts. Mm. But anyway, um, have a have a basis in a website. I think the for church musicians to to um be involved in the editing and upkeep of a website is not always possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think social media has value. Because when a web page can go stale, 
if you're able to embed a social media feed in a website, like be it Facebook or Twitter, that has some value in keeping the page fresh mm-hmm. and current. Yeah, and you can think of the website as like your evergreen content. Um, but then you want the like, here's what we're doing on Sunday. Here's, right. here's our upcoming Christmas concert. Here's right. here's what we're doing right now. Twitter, especially, I'll just I'll single that as as an example. Twitter was invented as a micro blogging platform, mm-hmm. and what that meant, what the word micro just meant that you were limited to 140 characters. Nowadays, you have double that number. Mm-hmm. You have 280 characters, but that's about all you need to say. Well, here's our anthem or two for this mm-hmm. coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if you put that information on your on your music department webpage, um, that's a way of sort of keeping the page look current and, mm-hmm. and have some valuable yeah. information for people to, to see there what you're Especially doing. Especially if you're like thinking of people who come to a church website as potential visitors. Right. They want to know what's going on. Right. They want to know what kind of music you sang and mm-hmm. what you did the week before. And, and yeah. that's, that's, and that's a, a, that's a big indication. I mean, that's also, if you're thinking of a website, depending on your ability to schedule in advance, you can also say, here's what we're going to do, or here's the repertoire that we've done. I rewrote the music page for the Presbyterian Church where I currently work, and I just mentioned, here's the repertoire that we did on a few recent concerts, our spring choral concert, that signaled the kind of repertoire that we do more generally. Right. Just by saying, oh, we did these X name big classical pieces, Mm -hmm. you signal what you're doing. And you can do that for whatever genre that you typically do in your church. It tells people what what kind of music you usually do. And it doesn't have to be, here's every single piece that we did. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about places where you can do social media. We've talked about websites, and we've talked about Twitter. A couple other main areas for people on social media are Facebook and also blogs, which are kind of a subset of websites. Right, yeah. Facebook is... um is pretty big. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of people. Billions of people on right. it. Right. There's a lot of people who use that platform. So I think it's pretty valuable to be there. Um, but let me back up one one yeah. step further and talk about blogs that you mentioned because that that's so. If you can set up a blog on a website, then you've got an easy way to to keep a website current. If you're just talking about kind of a kind of a generic website that you've got to go into whatever editor you've got to change mm-hmm. the page, that's a that's a big investment. That takes mm-hmm. a lot of thought, takes a lot of time. If on the other hand you have it set up as a blog, it's a really easy to open your your blog post editor and fire off a post mm-hmm. within just a couple and minutes. And oftentimes you can set it up or you have multiple editors. One thing that I've experienced with Facebook is that you would have to set this up either way. As the church musician, you don't necessarily have the permissions needed to post something on the Facebook page or on on the website. And, you know, maybe your secretary is really with it or maybe not. And sometimes the thing that's really timely, oh, we're doing this piece in two days, it loses its relevance after a couple days. Right, right. I think, and speaking of relationships, I think relationships with your staff or parishioners who are involved in in the social media is really useful because um, my experience has been they're they're generally very grateful for the Mm -hmm. assistance and keeping, keeping, um, relevant current content on yeah, those channels. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the things that helps with that is just a schedule. Um, if you have an idea of who's going to post what on what day, or just simply a, a phone call or an email, hey, I'm, I'm going to post this to the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be all right if I did that tomorrow? Or do you have anything else that needs to go out? And usually that's that's an easy way to, yeah. to make sure that yeah. nobody's overloading the, the page at any one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say, um, with these blog posts that are pretty easy to do, you can get a lot more bang for your buck if you set up your social media channels. So that um, once that post publishes, it is automatically published oh, to yeah. Facebook, yeah. automatically published to Twitter, whatever other channels you have going. If you automate that, um, that's a good way to just sort of get get the message out there. Now, with a blog, are you thinking that this would be like on a church website or on a personal website for like the individual musician? You know, the, the more I do this, the less I think it matters. I think mm-hmm. people, people will find it in either place. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you do have something that's really... 
uh, relevant to the church on your personal blog, then take that article and post it to the church Facebook page, mm-hmm. and then you get some cross pollination there. Yeah, um, I will say that you want to be you want to be distinctive about um, your role. So if you're yeah. If if you have a lot of stuff on your personal blog that you don't want people to see, then maybe you sh- maybe you should keep it separate. Or maybe you should post it at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should post it at all. It will live forever online. That's, that's right. Um, but I'm I'm thinking more specifically, like I you know I work as a, a researcher of Christian congregational music, and that's relevant to my work as a practicing church musician. But most congregational members are not particularly interested in the intricacies of fundamentalist Christianity as expressed through musical culture. You know, they they aren't really interested in those blog posts. So I, I wouldn't necessarily want to wouldn't want to inflict yeah. that upon them. But that that being said, I publish on my blog currently a series singing through the year, which is a series of blog posts once a week that preview the hymn at the Presbyterian Church where I work. So it also goes out in the church's newsletter, which is actually social media that we should talk about. A lot of churches have newsletters. They go to church members who've given permission to be on the mailing list. That's a, a legal requirement. You need people's permission to be on this kind of mailing list. But it means that you can have basically your announcements and upcoming events in a convenient little package that they get every week or so. And so for me, I was writing these blog posts as a, a way of talking about the music that I was singing to my then infant son. And then when I got the job at the Presbyterian Church, I said, oh, well, I'll turn this into a preview of the upcoming hymns. And I actually love how that's worked because people know what's at least one hymn in the upcoming service and they can listen to the hymn. And um, I've had people come up to me and be like, oh, I just love the videos that come up on YouTube after, you know, I just love this style of music. And it's just really sweet. But it's also a form of education. Right. Because sometimes I'm choosing hymns where I don't necessarily know if the congregation knows it well or not. And sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. So sometimes if it's a hymn where I think, huh, maybe they don't know this so well, well, at least they've had the opportunity to preview it, to sing along, to look at the text, you know, hopefully to meditate on it. Sometimes I would um, connect the hymn with the lectionary readings. I mean, I do that as I'm selecting it, but sometimes I do that in the text of the blog post and say like, here, like make this spiritual connection. Here's a way to influence your spiritual life this week. Yeah, I think all of that is so valuable. And especially along the lines of education, if you if you make people aware that this the choices that we make as musicians aren't random, Mm-hmm. And they really start yeah. paying more attention to the connections. I didn't just pick my favorite hymns. Right. I, I've actually encountered that misconception lots of times. Well, you just pick your favorite <laughs> hymns, right? <laughs> like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get people to see those connections between the hymns and the lessons and the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that if you do that enough, they can start to see it themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I posted this morning on social media, good old Facebook, asking other church musicians and people related to church music, what questions do you have about social media? And one thing that several people mentioned is the concern about time, that the time that it would take for them to post on social media is not worth anything that you would get out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess for me looking at it, I don't think of it as a really big time commitment. I'm already you know, checking out my niece and nephew photos on Facebook. It's not a big deal for me to take a picture of the choir and, of course, get everyone's permission to use a photo in a public setting. That's very important. Make sure you get people's permission to use their photographs. But it's not a big deal to take a picture of the choir and say, like, here's our dress rehearsal. Here's our choir retreat. Put it on the Facebook page. Right. It's not a huge time It doesn't seem like it takes a lot of time. Or to create a Facebook event. That's... I think a few minutes, I not think a big deal. Where the concern comes in probably is doing something regular. Like if you are going to post mm. your music list every week, well, do I really have five yeah. minutes a week to do that? 
Yeah. And I don't know. And do I have that creative energy? Right. Uh, five minutes a week doesn't sound like a lot until it until, until you really Monday think about morning, it. Yeah. And, you're like, and oh, I need to do that. You had all this other stuff crop up at the last yeah. minute. Yeah. So so the way that I try to frame this p- for people is maybe not thinking about it so much as five minutes per week because another another thing to your weekly agenda mm-hmm. might might in fact be overwhelming. Be too much, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that takes more time than than getting our music on social media, getting the thing that takes more time than getting musical information on social media is actually um, music planning. Mm. You and I, I'm sure, spend way more time planning the music than we do, you know, writing it down on uh, uh, Twitter or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, what I what I really like to do is use um, one of these automated services. And Mm -hmm. there's there's several of them out there. um, Scheduling services. One of them is Buffer, Mm -hmm. buffer Buffer.com. And so if you reframe, you know, I don't want to spend five minutes a week doing this for the next four weeks what if you spend 10 minutes for the month Mm -hmm. and that way you Mm -hmm. load up four of them at once and they all go out without you having to think of them yeah Yeah. i think that's that's really valuable a way to keep the information current at the time that it's supposed to go Mm -hmm. out without you having to lift a finger yeah yeah Yeah. that's huge yeah that's huge because then you don't have to think about it so look for ways to uh, we already mentioned ways to automate your blog posts Mm -hmm. ways to automate things and ways and to, to schedule, link them together so you to schedule that, things. You have exactly. that really current information on the church website because you have an embedded Twitter feed. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot of value to that showing up at the right time. Yeah. 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 And it's awfully nice to have a picture of the choir at the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's really fun for the community to see that. Those behind the scenes looks, mm-hmm. I think, are fabulous. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've had the best response to is when I have an excuse to go inside the organ, I always take a picture. Yes. And people yes. are blown away by the inside of the organ. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a situation where you can't get, you know, maybe more than one, <laughs> if you really can't get any parishioners up there because it's just oh, yeah. way too yeah. scary, yeah. Um, take a picture or two and then let people see what it looks like on the inside. Or a video. I mean, if, oh, if, yes. if you've got if you've got swell mm-hmm. shades that move, get, mm-hmm. some, get some video. Let people see mm-hmm. the moving parts in action. Yeah. yeah. It seems like right now for those kinds of things, because when you say video, it makes me think Instagram. But it seems like for churches particularly... Twitter and Facebook are really the places where most of your congregations are going to be. Like maybe as a musician, Instagram can be nice. Yeah, but... th- those are the ones I mention the most. And and if you see any kind of major corporate branding, chances are you're going to see those the little Facebook icon and the little Twitter icon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably makes sense if you're going to do social media, do one or both of those. Mm-hmm. And then the third one to add after that might be Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think that tends to be sort of the third one that people yeah. are... Yeah. Are engaging a lot of people more. are on Instagram also. Yeah, I tend to not post as much, but I'm, I'll look another picture of my organ music. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, this is exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good with Instagram, and I, I tend to forget that I have an account for months at a time. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the what, like what kinds of things that you could post. And to me, they seem to fall in the categories of like your process or your behind the scenes, current events kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, the getting advice of advice because we haven't really talked about how useful something like Facebook can be if you are a church musician and you have questions. Hey, what about this? Where should I buy something? Where should I, those kinds of advice questions like Facebook can be a really good site for advice. Yeah, I think it absolutely is. Um, the the specialized groups that I can think of that I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a member of on Facebook, the, um, the Episcopal musicians page. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also a, um, a page for the Anglican Association of Musicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some sometimes the content on those tends to be very similar, and sometimes uh, utterly different. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's valuable to keep to keep apprised of what's happening in, in those different kind of professional interest groups um, that relate to your denomination. Yeah. And or or even just like like I'm a member in a few like organist related groups, and I was working in one 
one parish where I couldn't figure out how to set the pistons. And I'm like, I have set the pistons on probably a hundred different organs. <laughs> What's going on? So I posted a couple of pictures and you know what? I figured it out. It was, oh, there you go. It was fine. So um, a few things that I wrote down were um, pictures. You can post pictures of your rehearsals, pictures of 1130 at night. And That's right. Practicing. That's right. You can also post your questions, um, recordings, videos. And I'm also thinking of, um, I feel like I'm too young to do this. But I have a um, deacon friend on Facebook who posts quotes or Bible verses. Mm -hmm. And coming from a deacon in the church who's probably 75, 80, it's actually really, really nice and doesn't come across as like, let me share something inspirational. Like It comes across as pastoral. Yeah. I feel like that can actually be kind of nice sometimes. I think it can be nice. If you're able to present something beautiful to someone at an unexpected time, yes. I yeah. think that there can be a really strong response to mm -hmm. that. So uh, I'm thinking of the of the Episcopal Church's, um, uh, of the National Episcopal Church's Twitter feed. Yeah, what's it like? They've had a huge response to um, different collects that they, uh, different short prayers that yes. they, they present through Twitter. And they do that with an image. I mean, they, they find one of those sort of uh, cheesy clip art. <laughs> it's a little bit cheesy, a cheesy kind of stock photo background mm -hmm. of a sunset or something. Yeah. And then they, yeah. they put a prayer on it and people love it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, there's some, there's some, it's really shareable on social media. It's incredibly shareable. And there's a little Episcopal shield on each picture. So you know exactly mm -hmm. who it's coming from. But imagine for your congregation, if, um, you know, something that you had coming up that week was a hymn that you knew people loved. Um, if you took a stanza of that hymn and put it on a, a photo That's like really that, nice. you know, find a way to, to get that in front of it's people. It's actually really lovely to like, if you're, um, like I sometimes will avoid social media because I'm like, I can't, I can't handle another like onslaught of the difficult things in the world right now. Right. And I need to focus on what I'm doing right now here with right. my family. Um, but it's nice to come across that kind of bigger picture view of of where we are in the world. Like, here's all our little trivial things that add up to our life. And here's here's the context in which we're living. Yeah, right. And what and what we're all working toward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's there's meaning to all these the little everyday things that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things at St. Peter's that's so valuable is there's um there's a very fine recording system. Um, so we just hit record every week and, you know, we get the whole service on tape. Mm -hmm. um, and so from that, I'm able to, you know, slice up the anthem or slice out the, com really the communion nice. motet. And one of my favorite things to do is to take the hymns, because I think um, your your impression of singing a hymn is probably very different from what it sounds like to those microphones. And so I think it could be valuable um, for people to encounter a recording of a hymn that they sang last year um, at an unexpected time, May maybe even the week before they're going to sing it again. It's actually really nice. Just to put it out on Facebook. I like and. That. And get people to hear it. To be able to share those, I think it's really is a really special. And gift. that's really special to the congregation, particularly because we're not talking about the people that we're talking with is everybody. No, the people we're talking with is a kind of small group that cares deeply about their church and wants to know what's going on. Right. And I think so. I mean, as musicians, I think our temptation is, oh, I, sh I should. Um put up a recording of my prelude or my postlude or mm -hmm. the, the choir's anthem. But I, I would encourage people not to forget the hymns mm -hmm. um, because it, it that's a recording of the whole congregation singing together. And for a visitor too, I think that can be really valuable. Yeah. They can visit our website and see a picture of the church, see a picture of the people, mm -hmm. but can they hear the people singing? That yeah. might be one yeah. more added benefit of, of having something I mean, else nice on social media. such a good recording system. Yeah. I feel like most of the recordings you hear of congregational singing is a bunch of room noise <laughs> and... Yeah, you know, it's just well, not that great to listen to. And like I said, we're very fortunate because we have um, microphones that are sort of attached to the to the chandeliers above yeah, the church. Yeah. But even if you don't, um, there might be a way to hide a to hide a microphone in a balcony or mm -hmm. or just um, on certain Sundays to have a setup somewhere yeah. where you you know you can you can like get a special a, Sunday where you're like this this would be great yeah, to have a recording of a special service. I mean, yeah. de definitely. 
um, I like that a lot. Find a way to find a way to get it recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> felt... thank you. This has been a pleasure talking about social media. Well, you're here very in welcome, St. Louis. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it for today. Thanks to David Sinden for being on our show. You can find out more about him at sinden.org, S-I-N-D-E-N.org, and listen to his podcast at writeandmusical.org, and write is R-I-T-E. You can also get the program notes for this episode, episode 7, at musicandthechurch.com. Do you have any questions or a Try This at Church tip? Send us an email at musicandthechurch at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 513-580-4282. We'll be back this time next week. Happy New Year.